Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. another gordita and uh damn dude you got another one you 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 took a long time in the bathroom man they have chicken i said i had all those bean burritos give me a break Uh, what be careful man they'll track you to your lair (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some tracks and scat outside the van right now right (laughs) Uh, and some taco wrappers taco wrappers yeah we know this is the lair of several nerds because of all the taco wrappers i tell you something i saw while i was in there waiting in line scrolling through the old social media did you guys see that color copy of the bag war saga that oh. jolly was showing off yeah i gotta get yeah one of those. that was pretty cool yeah yeah, it sounds like maybe they're gonna they're gonna sell some of those. That's some that's some pretty subtle product placement there, man. Like the way you just brought that up, like yeah. oh, I happened. Hey, it's <laughs> apropos to what we're talking about here. I don't know, man. Like I don't know if uh, I could do Coyote. In fact, the the Bag Wars PDF in color is kind of throwing me off. All that color is like overstimulating me or something. You know, it's know. like the Andy Griffith episodes. When they went to color, it was like, mm, yeah, I don't know, man. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm going to have to play a shareholder card and get a color copy of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They never I'll go probably, for sale. I don't. I, I never bought um I have a bunch of the other trade paperbacks, but I never actually got a bag war saga. So I, I think I'll pick it up in color. Of course, then I won't have the classic collectible black and white edition either. So yeah, yeah. there's one that I'm missing too. Um I gotta think of which one it is though. Not that important at the moment. Java joint. Oh yeah, I've got I've got that on PDF, but I don't have that's the only trade paperback I don't have a print copy of. Isn't that the one that Jolly didn't actually write? Or there was something about that one. It was either the first time that Steve wrote it or something, but I could have swore that there was something about Java Joint that was the way it was written was different than most of the other strips. Hmm. I could be wrong. I'm probably misremembering. You know, since I'm staggering drunk, as as Jolly keeps on saying in all in all of his comments, and I sound drunk, so yeah, staggeringly drunk. Speaking of that, we also got an email while we were uh, while we were in the uh, joint there from uh, none other than Dread Pirate Jolly Rock uh, <laughs> Jolly Roberts. Uh, explaining a few things one thing is he still contests that you're staggeringly drunk while you're (laughs) while you're making these rants and he also he complimented you on your your extensive treatment of the uh 
sucking chest wound, <laughs> which was that was that's good stuff. But but he also responded to your uh, or I you know really it's our contention that Behringer's just a rube. Like would he would 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 he would they would he be that big of a rube? And uh, not not just a rube. He's he's a wuss, man. He's a whiny, sad sack, gullible. Um, well, that's just part of it. That's going to come up in what it. <laughs> yeah, super leader strips there. Yeah. So so Jolly's notes, and and this is where the layers come in, right? Like we're we we are reading a comic book about a guy or a bunch of people you know, playing a game in a story. So it's like two, two levels of, uh, of story there. So he's saying, uh, what you've got to, uh, what he wants to point out is that BA is the storyteller and he's, he's the storyteller sitting at the table. It's his bias and his agenda. And Jolly sees him as pulling the NPC strings and at times baiting the players and such to get a reaction, like to nudge them back on point, etc. So uh, he realizes that that you know that we know that, but uh, when it comes to questioning an NPC's actions and such, it helps to look to BA. He said in his last comment, "Is I mean the guy had llamas attacking high level characters." Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know how many times have I said uh, BA is is not a very good GM, right? Yeah. Like, like he gets baited into a lot of stuff. Now he has his moments of brilliance. And I think later on, he, he really, that changes, you know, but, but like a lot of the stuff that, that he does, I mean, giving, I mean, I've kind of, I've kind of said it before, you know, like, like there's just been a lot of situations where I just think like his NPCs are kind of, not realistic, which is a reflection of him as a GM, as a character, you know? So yeah, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. Um, that's why I said he probably doesn't understand the physics of water freezing, uh, instantaneously in a underground enclosed space, you know, where it must be pretty solid. If you can have a shaft that's 170 feet deep, that is, you know, not collapsing in and whatnot. So yeah, no, I I get it, and that's that's legit, you know. I mean, um, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not gonna argue with Blackburn anymore. I'm just gonna assume everything he did is perfect and right, and I and, think uh, we need to and, call him out at every opportunity. And he's like, I mean, he is, after all, a creative genius, right? Yeah. And yeah. who am I? Who am I to question? the genius that is the, the Jolly, Blackburn, Jolly Blackburn. Right. So, so I'm, I'm going to have to temper my comments and, um, and not, not challenge the, uh, the, um, verisimilitude, verisimilitude. How do you pronounce verisimilitude yeah. of the story? I'm guessing you have a word a day calendar too. That's a good one. <laughs> no, no, I actually don't. Um, yeah, but um, the the part of the comment that you said, like you were before, you were saying about how when I'm at Jolly's house, like because I I stop there a lot when I'm 
we have a big vendor that's up in Madison. So I drive through there and whenever I can, I try to stop and like just crash for the night and hang out and, and we'll watch movies or TV late. And he's right. And I do this all the time, man. I pick movies apart. I'm like, that wouldn't work. Like, why would this is, you know, and, and I, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. That's um, why we're here, man. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I, I just got a text from uh, one of our interns. You're right about Java Joint, Steve. The uh, very first strip was written by Jolly, Brian Jilke, and Steve Johansson. Two were written by John O'Neill. One was written by Steve Johansson, and all the others were a collaboration of John O'Neill and Steve Johansson. Oh, John O'Neill. For Black, folks Black, that... Blackgate Magazine. Blackgate Magazine, yep. dude. Yeah, super, oh. super cool guy, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. What's Blackgate Magazine? Oh, it's, it's like great. <laughs> it's mainly a fantasy fiction. Uh, it's a lot of short stories and stuff. They're they're yeah. worth checking out. I've got some if you want me to bring uh, a couple of Gary kind for you to check out. Yeah, yeah sure. they, they've got like a blog. They review fiction and stuff. There's these. It's it's cool. Yeah, I think oh. I think O'Neill goes way back with the Kenzer folks. Yeah, and. Uh, I think uh, a lot of them have a one of the, a KODT strip in as well. Oh, cool! Yeah, that that might be what one of the uh, Tales from the Vaults are, is from. I'll have to check that out. And that wasn't product placement. I genuinely did not know what Blackgate Magazine was. <laughs> yeah, so John, if you're listening, great magazine. We want, we want some money. The- yeah, we want some money for mentioning your Mac. Your, you owe us. Yeah. You owe us a hundred bucks. <laughs> like, Where's our royalties? If, All sales if, from henceforth. As if advertising is worth anything out of the back of this van, man. Come on. Yeah, that's like the. Uh, <laughs> it's like the uh, Bob Einstein bit on the Norm Macdonald podcast. I could shout out the window of a bus and reach more people than you're reaching on this podcast. <laughs> yeah uh, that's funny oh man no, we do have that one listener yeah we do all right man well all right to the bag wars so bag full of troubles right no no i'm no. sorry I, i'm ahead i have yeah, your head one yeah we just finished uh, shafted where it looks like we're at the uh at the end of it, old uh, rock gut failed a uh, threshold of pain check. Yeah, but remember, we were talking about that. Like, what does that weakness mean, that weak spot? And right. it turns out it's just a chink in his armor because they it picks up in the worm's curse next chapter yeah. with, uh, with rock he's gut still fighting. fighting. Yeah. yeah, he's kicking their ass. And here's something, too. We're assuming that he failed a top check. Yeah. Re- really all it says is we forced for- one. They, right. They forced one. He he could have right. he could have passed it, but still forcing a top check is kind of like being nominated for an Oscar. You know, <laughs> just forcing the check is is uh is cool. I don't know. Oscars um, aren't that hard from what I've heard. <laughs> or do you have a few yeah. Oh yeah, you've got them on the sh- on the shelf there. <laughs> yeah, sure, George. Oh no, you, you know who Jennifer Hudson is, right? Yeah, yeah. Spent her whole life trying to sing. Went through American Idol, lost. She gets in her first movie and she wins an Oscar. 
something Which she didn't train her whole life for that. Well, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, that's uh, like, she's freaking Goldie Hawn's daughter, man. Of course, she's going to get an Oscar. What? Uh, I don't think, I think you know who Jennifer Hudson is. I think you're thinking of the wrong Hudson. That's uh, Kate Hudson. That's oh, Kate. shit. Jennifer Hudson. They were like, <laughs> Jennifer Hudson's is uh, this uh, uh, black what? singer. She's a beautiful singer. Great. Yeah. And she got into. It was a, a movie about, it was like a biopic about a singer, I think, is where yeah, she won yeah. it. Yeah. I um, can't remember the, uh, who the movie was about, but yeah. You know, some she, people are just freaking naturals. Like Matthew McConaughey, he just like was driving by and they were like, hey, why don't you come and do like Dazed and Confused, like the first movie he was in? And uh, boom. What? Wasn't Harrison Ford like the carpenter yeah. on the set of some movie, and that's how he got his start? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he, yeah. he did some small things. Like he was actually in an episode of Leave It to Beaver. He was like one of Eddie Haskell's friends. No shit. I when he was like a kid, yeah, yeah well, like yeah. he was super young. But yeah. yeah, he was like a carpenter from Wyoming. Yeah, he was yeah. working on the set of American Graffiti, and uh, George Lucas asked him to to read some lines or something, end up getting a part in it. Well, I mean, a lot of that stuff is just charisma and being in the right place at the right time. And, yeah, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, they talk about Nepo, like Nepo babies. I mean, a lot of it is when you're around a certain industry or a certain thing, you have all the contacts and everything and it's, you get the yeah, opportunity. It's a lot easier. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can, you can pair some of those. Well, I mean, like some been some Oscars that were, you know, really good, but you're still kind of surprised. Like Marissa Torme won for My Cousin Vinny. Uh, you know it was a great movie she was great in it still kind of surprised you know that my cousin Vinny wins anybody wins an oscar out of my, out of that yeah, yeah. out of that because it's kind of like a comedy or whatever but she was really good and then you look at somebody like uh freaking uh what's his name uh he's in the consultant now he was in uh man uh shit. like like a real uh, actor's actor yeah, the, kind the of austrian thing. guy yeah the austrian guy what's his name shit I wish I could remember. I don't. He's, I don't ever watch any movies. Yeah, like he's won two. Is it, is that the guy that was in um, that was the Nazi in Inglorious yes. Bastards? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's okay. he's he's got an unusual name too. Like yeah, Christopher he's, Wal- Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. yeah, and he's crazy. He's a crazy good actor. You know, yeah, he's you know. like. Um, as a matter of fact, Quentin Tarantino when he wrote that part. He said, I think I've written a part that nobody, no actor could play this part because he's got to speak all these languages fluently and all this. And freaking Christoph Waltz waltzed in and freaking won an Oscar doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in that. And he was also good in uh, Django Unchained, which he also won Oscar. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not comparing. Yes. Christoph Waltz, Christopher Walken. Sounds good. Now, now you see, and, and here's the thing. So, Jolly says I tear apart movies. I didn't tear apart Inglorious Bastards because I got the con- the conceit of it. It was a it was a fantasy revenge movie, and I get that. But like when I watch The Hobbit, and I see a dragon encased in gold that they tricked it into pouring it on, or I see dwarves rolling down a river, tossing an axe back and oh forth each God. other, slaughtering orcs yeah. that are clearly not competent enough to be even 
a, a threat <laughs> like like why is anybody afraid of orcs kind of thing <laughs> yeah. you know and, yeah. and and it was so different like in the in the hobbit the dwarves didn't even have weapons yeah. right yeah had, like a knife so they weren't warriors and so um so uh i do tear apart movies but i think i tear things apart when they kind of deserve to be tear and apart. the whole forced love angle between the elf and the dwarf <laughs> oh, oh my they got they had to have a freaking well, and, and here's the thing about that in particular, and this, I got this from reading the, or listening to the Lord of the Rings podcast, right? The, the Tolkien professor, um, there are, are very few instances of a relationship between the quote unquote races in races in the Lord of the Ring, um, between like elf and human. And they were always extremely consequential and they were always to bring together these huge bloodlines. So they, in the Hobbit, they kind of cheapened that whole concept Yeah, yeah. because in the, in the, in the legendarium, like that's a huge deal. Like when, when Luth Baron and Luthien, right. Um, ha happened. So it's, it, it it was really just really poor. It was really poor. I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies at least stayed true to the intent of the yeah. of the books, but the the Hobbit was like, it but, was just like know. it's a popcorn movie. I well, that's what Jolly popcorn. was saying. Yeah, it's a popcorn yeah. movie. I was just about to say, well, it's just a popcorn movie. You just got to take it for what it is. It's like, no, man, it's a shitty movie. Sorry, it's just a shitty movie. <laughs> Yeah, the scene in the Goblin Mines with the ladder and they're running across all these bridges and that was just ridiculous. Yeah. I tell you the cool, the one cool thing about that freaking Hobbit though was Bjorn. That dude was almost like the bear guy, you know. The mm -hmm. dude, yeah. he was almost like angry to be in the movie. He was like, "Why am I in this shitty movie?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he did show up at the end, I think, and help in the Battle of Five Armies, but I, I mean that was in the book, so you had to put it in. So there. so how how did we how did we get on this? I like lost track of what we were talking about. So so the worms curse. Yes. So the dragons fighting, they're they're in the mine shaft or not in the mine shaft. Um I the first thing that popped out to me, because we were talking about spells before, is this vital sign spell. Yeah. Another one of right? Brian's specialties. This is like so, this is like so, like, it it broadcasts a running tally of the foe's remaining hit points. I mean, first of all, it's so metadata. Yeah. Or so meta metagaming, you know, yeah. because it's it's not saying like it gives you an indicator of of their health it yeah. says it broadcasts the foe's remaining hit points in luminous numbers over his head that the caster can see yeah. so the spell is actually converting the person's health into hit points and displaying it like a digital clock a digital counter above the person's head how freaking metagame can a yeah. spell get uh, yeah. even, right? even bob comments in the very next panel hit point meter like in a video game <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean i i could see it like oh it gives you a red aura if you're really wounded or a yellow aura if you're at half or 50 percent yeah. of your health or but to like have a digital counter of your hit points it'd be like um having a spell that tells you what your percentage chance to hit a monster is or something like that you know what i mean like like doing the math and everything i just like but but he's role-playing in his head so that's that's all right. okay right yeah 
<laughs> and you know, it all facilitates Brian's sneaky ass. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. And BA doesn't even question it. He's just like, okay, fine. He's got three hit points left. Which Brian responds, oh, mentally, it's my time to shine. I jump out and stab him with my dagger and do four points of damage. <laughs> and then he quotes the little Moby Dick there at the end, yeah. slash Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I love it. But but Dave's like, why are you quoting Khan? And yeah. then and then Sarah, this is there's a little flashback on Sarah here because she doesn't just say, oh, it's Moby Dick. She's like, he's quoting Moby Dick, you morons. <laughs> like she hasn't called them morons like since way back in like issue four, yeah. three or four, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Rock uh, gut tasks me and I shall have him, Lord. <laughs> Man. But so so here's the thing. Then then they kill him. They kill him like in the next on the next page. Yep. And and this is where Brian is just a dick, man. Like, yeah, he, he is, he, before the fight is even, I mean, the three hit points and he stole that kill specifically so he could have the title of slaying this dragon. And we're going to find out how big of a deal this dragon is oh, like yeah. in the, we were talking about the Muncie verse and all that. Like this dragon is oh, a yeah. big fucking deal. Right. Yeah. Um, it's coming up in the next uh, one, I think. And and then he calls dibs on the hide. And then he's like, I want my guy to cut him up so that I can get all the, the parts and the after market value sale value. Like dude, yeah. Brian is such a, dick, not to mention man. that is uh, d- delivering a killing blow. He gets a huge honor and fame bonus. Yeah. He just took it. And Dave should have had it. You know, this reminded me of actually in a, Star Wars Saga Edition. I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop another one of my players. I don't think you guys know this guy. His name's Anthony, and um, he's one of the few people that have run games for me. Uh, George, you're you're in this group, this category too. But one of the few people that have run games like, um, and like taken over to, to DM for me, so I got a break. And he ran a whole Star Wars Saga Edition campaign. We went all the way to 20th level. It was like only time I've ever been able to play like a long term character like that. But anyway. So it was my character's destiny to kill XR Kuhn, like a reincarnated XR Kuhn or something, right? And so we were in this big final climactic battle, level 20. We're like using force powers to yank our lightsabers from each other and hack them apart. We're all fighting. And I get the guy down and like, it's it was like literally one of the best gaming fights I've ever been in. And another guy's character who's a fucking R2 droid with guns so he's not even like roll. He's just like a min man. He's a guy. I, we, I don't even talk to him anymore. Right. But um, I've been in touch with him in years, but he's got this R2 droid with little guns, little blaster guns that come out on hands. And he doesn't has, it doesn't do anything that an R2 droid is just min maxing to have a robot that can kill shit really well. So I'm fighting this guy. This is my destiny at 20th level. And he's almost dead. That motherfucker shoots him with a blaster and kills him. Oh shit. And took away my my character's death. I'm still like just like I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> like, like we're talking about the shushing, yeah. The it's, shushing. Still mad. it's still like what the fuck, man? Like, why did you do that? I was and and you know the thing is you can never get that back. Right. Like no. you, you can't you'll never get that moment back where you were gonna have that epic moment. And and Brian kind of stole it. He came out at the land and stabbed him with a dagger because he knew he yeah. could, you know. 
Yeah. I'll, you know, I always say I let the dice fall where they may. Don't fudge or anything. But as a dungeon master, as a game master, it'd be really fucking hard to not give that guy a few extra hit points to get in a, so he could last another round, you know. But, but but Brian had his spell that gives you a yep. digital readout of how many hit points. Oh he's yeah, got left, yeah. Right? In the in the comic, yeah, I was talking about yeah. your deal. Oh. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the comic, uh, yeah. There's he actually did a uh, minimum damage, right? I think he did yeah. minimum damage, but that's all he needed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because it was a plus three dagger, and he did four points of damage. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know. But that yep. these kind of spells and everything that makes it like I said, it's a war game. You know what I mean? Like when you yeah. play a war game, you you get to know how many hits you've got on the enemy's things. You get to know what abilities and powers they have. You know, there's nothing nothing is hidden. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Like you're talking about seeing just how big Rotgut is. That in the very next panel, or start talking about reams of sheets of PCs that he's killed over the years. Yeah. I, I love, and I love the celebration, the fact yeah. that they are selling. I mean, this is kind of like what every DM wants is to have something that the players care about yeah. so much that when they win, they feel relieved and excited. Like, yeah, we did it, you know, because a, a lot of times they like, all right, yeah, we killed another monster. Let's get the shit yeah. and move on. You know, um, well, have you guys watched all of uh, season four of Stranger Things? Oh, yeah. Where- yeah where Eddie's DMing the, that final fight with Vecna and the oh, PCs, yeah. they end up beating him with that final die roll. And uh, instead of getting pissed off, Eddie's just like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why would a DM get pissed off over yeah, an exactly. epic battle? You know, like, um, but you know, in, in last, last, uh, in the last uh, episode, I mentioned the, um, the tooth, right. That they used to, Oh yeah, and how that's a great thing now but here's the thing i'm not so sure like i was thinking that ba was setting this up so that like they could they could beat this dragon right i mean it seemed pretty elaborate but then like you start reading a little further here about all of the different characters and all of the different people who have had characters that were killed by this dragon i you know did ba really get beat by these guys like did he intend this dragon to kill them and he was unable to do it which yeah because it's surprising yeah here in another page so they start name dropping other characters from the muncie verse that have been oh. had characters killed by rotgut oh yeah well and even yeah it, and even like in the in the bottom panel on this page right so but in you know down at the bottom bob is like uh getting in ba's face about it and trash talking him because it's like for months we've been putting up with your trash talking dragon like and yeah. ba is genuinely mad like yeah. he's really mad i you can tell because there's like a little dark cloud over his head. well it just yeah. his face man he's like really yeah. pissed and now is he pissed off because bob is trash talking him and not being like dude that was a great adventure and you gave us a great moment and he's like ah eh, we fucked you up and kiss my you know because there there is that it it does show that this is really um, they're not they're not thinking of their DM like wow this guy this guy made this memorable moment for us he gave and us he a did great it. game right right with a great climax he had to he had to trash talk right like yeah. he had to do that yeah. but Bob is like we beat you we beat you in yeah. your fucking dragon you know so I don't know what it is 
Yeah. And I'm not going to presume because Jolly will just tell me I'm wrong. And in Bob's head, he actually appreciates everything yeah. that BA is doing. But the, uh, <laughs> see, no. now I'm going to I'm going to give Jolly shit about everything. Now, this is just my vehicle to, like, tell Jolly he's full of shit. <laughs> so uh, do I sound drunk now, Jolly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is where uh, Brian brings up. uh this calls for a celebration. Let's go all out. In the next page, I started thinking, yeah, we could go back to Fingari and do all this. And then he's like, uh, no, I mean, us go out. Yeah. Uh, like what in, in real life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, IRL, what the hell? So this one thing really- that's interesting here that I, I, I noticed, I, I'm probably the only one that that thought this years ago, you know, for years and years, I assumed the term balls to the wall was something dirty, but it's not dirty. It's an aviation reference. When he says we should all go out, I'm talking balls to the wall. What's balls to the wall mean? I don't, I I always, I didn't, I never really knew it. It sounds vaguely dirty, but I don't know what it means. Dirty. It's, it's an aviation reference like the uh, throttle. On an airplane, the the handle it looks like a little ball. So there's like a pitch and a throttle. There's like several things. I'm not a pilot, but when they say balls of the wall, it's like you're pushing, you're pushing all the throttle and everything up to the to the console. Up to the max. Oh. Yeah. So that's that's balls to the wall. So it's not dirty. Yeah. Oh, stop cl- no, stop cool. clutching your pearls, George. Oh, yeah. Oh. George George does have virgin ears, and he's. He's uh, kind of a choir boy. <laughs> yeah. I like can't imagine a, George. I can't imagine George. Did, oh, you did you really? Yeah. Were you a soprano? Mezzo-soprano? No. He was. He sang heavy metal. In he was the, a castrato. Uh, he he yeah. was the only castrato in the, in mm. the Effingham choir. <laughs> no, I've never. Well, that's not true either. <laughs> I've never lived in a town as big as Effingham, but I lived in Birmingham for a while. So, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Did you did you guys catch the bit about Dave saying that he didn't want to waste the bragging rights on that scum? Like the t- <laughs> like they don't want to be around the like. My God, guys! <laughs> like is everybody just there for you to like shit on? Um, don't do, they don't want to invite the townsfolk because they're scum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is when uh, they start name dropping the uh, other players that have lost characters to rot gut. Uh, Brian says we need to invite uh, Weird Pete and Johnny Kaczynski. Yeah. And they got like, so Weird Pete made jelly out of his character, Whitey Moran, Sheila Horowitz. Um, like, and, and and the, what was a little surprising for me here is like so BA run runs games for all these people or or like this is the community this is the Muncieverse maybe this monster gets used by other DMs like they call up BA and say hey BA I I want to I want to use your dragon in my campaign or whatever you know um I'm not, I don't know how they do that because later on they have all kinds of rules for like jumping campaigns, but this is much, much earlier than all that. Right. So. Well, Johnny um, used to be part of the group, so, and it could be possible that Pete just sat in on a few games as well. 
and, and Whitey and, and Sheila. Moran. Yeah. He's yeah. not even welcome in the games pit anymore. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but there's a lot. There's a lot of people, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, and of course, BA is just getting pissed because he's like, he's not a grunge monster. A yeah. grunge monster, you know. Yeah, it cracks me up. He's a grunge monster to take out Johnny's thief paladin ranger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thief paladin. Muckery. Johnny Kaczynski, another classic kind of third tier character, second tier character. It's not really you don't see much of him, but when you do, man, it's like. It's like the freaking. He's so awful. Yeah, yeah. Jolly, Jolly has this way of creating these just awful oh, human beings man. and making them funny, man. Like just terrible. It's like it's like a little sprinkle, a little Kaczynski, man. That's like comedy gold. Carrying his baby around, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and, the, and the baby's coughing. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's in a little papoose in the front. And there's like ashes falling on the baby's head. Like, he's got the comb over. Yeah, it's like such a like piece of work, man. So, oh, Johnny Kaczynski. Yeah. Oh, um, so they start saying, "Let's uh, get an inventory of this treasure." Well, but but first. Stuff. Can I can I just back up just a second, George? Because yeah. so you're going. So this is this was the frame where BA is like they got he's got the cloud and he's like, all right, smart asses, you think it's over? We'll see about that. Like so, is it a grudge monster? Maybe it was because v, BA seems pretty vengeful just yeah. in general. Like like he screws up. He seems like he screws up in the moment, right? And then he's like, all right, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to I'm going to fuck these guys up. So, which makes me think he does use grudge monsters like a lot because we know he makes a lot of mistakes in the moment DMing. He gets caught out by, by these players who are tricking him. Brian's pulling out these specific, super specific spells. And like, I'm not a bit surprised, but this did, I was really going into this thinking, okay, this was an adventure. BA is setting this up and and they're going to kill this dragon. That's like an epic dragon. But now like the way this all played out, I think B.A. was going to kill him. I think B.A. tried to kill him, and he just screwed it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think you may be right. Yeah, because he truly does seem upset that it didn't go that way. Well, between being so upset um, and and all all of the player characters that have been killed in the past, so he clearly had no problem killing people off with this dragon before. Like... I'm just, I just think he really screwed up because that dragon should have been able to slaughter him the way that fight went. Right. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe he did intend it. Maybe he did intend for them to like fight and kill the dragon and an epic battle and everything. And, um, and this is just him being pissed off at how they're reacting. Yeah. The, all the smack yeah, talk and all that stuff. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, she, anyway. Sheila's, Sheila, Sarah's the only one that's, not talking smack. So yeah, this was rather epic. We're truly dragon slayers. And so he just says that, uh, Oh, what's he say here? Behringer shouts, listen, he's not quite dead. He's muttering out his last words. First, her meteorite. What? He's still alive. Well, this is when, uh, Oh, rock gut, um, mutters a curse on his horde. It'll give them nothing but grief and contentment of victory will elude them. Which, so, 
So doesn't this this little phrase here, doesn't this seem kind of pirate-like too? He's putting a curse on his treasure hoard. Yeah. <laughs> that they'll have nothing. Yeah. But when I saw that, I'm like, that's like that's like Curse of the Black Pearl. You take it, you're going to be cursed, and you got to bring all my treasure back and put it in the bag or something like that. <laughs> yeah, down to the last bloom yeah this this just struck me as very being very pirate like also yeah. you know everybody starts freaking out except for brian he's like ah he's just messing with us trying to trying to rattle our cages there's nothing going on of course that's when they start looking around they see nothing but uh a few wooden crates with sand and sawdust and a tattered looking bag off in the corner So this whole this whole frame here when he says there's nothing there. First of all, if this dragon's so damn smart, why is this bag just lying there in the corner? Like why isn't he hidden? I guess he'd be super confident like he can't be killed or whatever. Yeah. Um but they freak out. You know what what, what was funny when I read this is I I was thinking about the care the players that I have in my current campaigns and they and you got you guys have played in my campaign. So maybe you can tell me if I'm off on this, but it seems like nobody really cares about treasure. Like nobody searches super carefully. Nobody's like going through all the pockets. Like sometimes I have to remind people like, Hey, you might want to search for treasure because you guys could use magic items in the future. And, and that is like a trend that I've been seeing. Like if there's an obvious thing that is magic, then people want it. But like, yeah, um, I'll tell you why. I know exactly why. Oh, I do too. Do you? I'll let you go. They're uh, tired of seeing uh, the pictures of all these creatures at the beach with their kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all the treasure is like their fo- their family photo album, and it's like, yeah, there's four hundred one k. Yeah, the hand the handprint of the children in plaster. You know, the life you know, insurance yes, policy. You find a piece of art worth five thousand gold pieces. It's the it's the dragon's children's footprints. It's like a in turkey. The it's a turkey that he tra- traced his hand around. Yeah. But it's in gold, so it's worth a lot well, of money. Yeah. But. Well, you find his life insurance policy that takes effect next week. Yeah. yeah. So what that what I was going to say is this, and here I'm going to go into. I don't want to kick off an edition war, like the three people that listen to this maybe. Uh, might start an additional war, but in the old in in older games, when you leveled yeah, up, I know not, where you're going with this. Leveling up, not a really a lot. You didn't have a lot of powers as much and feats, and not not you know you could get several levels, and other than a few hit points and maybe some spells, not a lot of shit happened. So you had to freaking you had to scrape for the treasure. Your power in the world was more what the treasure you gained or how you played or alliances you made versus which class you chose or what feats you chose in the newer versions of the games you can be pretty successful and fairly powerful character with really not a lot of crazy treasure i mean you can be because of the powers and the stuff that you get and the and the kind of the progression and the way it goes that's my that's my Okay. That's not where well, I thought you were going with this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Wes. Oh, George, go ahead. Before I uh, also, in the older editions, you got experience points for treasure. 
Right. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Well, th- and that's quite a way. That's like the second edition still did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it um, went away with third edition. Yeah. Yep. And 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 they introduced all kinds of other problems with magic items being part of a monster's build. But um. Yeah. So, but but Wes, I think I think you're a- absolutely right. Right. So um. In fact, I would say that most characters when you get to high levels you don't need to worry about what we would in the real world think of thing as things that would give you power right you don't need money to be powerful you don't need connections to be powerful because you as a as a as an individual character can slaughter could walk into a city and kill hundreds or thousands of people right i mean just through your own sheer might you can do so much and 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 i i've said for a long time like i think it's i think it's really funny that like player characters never spend any money on anything that doesn't help them with their job and this is like this is like a brian thing too right like think about brian so he's role-playing in his head that's fine and a lot of players even good role players don't do this because when it comes down to spending resources on something purely for role-playing, a lot of players just don't do it. So like, like for me, um, I don't spend, I don't spend hardly any money on like doing my job better. Right. Like if I look at the income I make, it's all about taking care of myself and my family and doing things that I enjoy and making my life more comfortable. It's not about making me more effective at doing my job, right? But if you look at what player characters do, the only thing they will actually spend money on is like a better magic item, scrolls, healing potions, whatever. Something that's going to give them an in-game effect. They never just buy like a cool shirt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or um, they never go on vacation. Like I told y'all once I had a character went on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, I probably, did I, did I rant about this already? I forget my rant sometimes. This but, may um, have been off camera, but yeah, I think yeah. we talked about it before, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it never, it never happens. And, and, and even this, like when they've, they've got a million gold pieces and they don't even want to like throw a party where they're going to waste a silver piece or or, or where they're going to waste a party on a bunch of peasants. But you know what? If they walked into Fangry and they started spending a million gold pieces, Lord Gilead would be their buddy pretty damn quick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but they won't do that to gain power in the game. They will not spend resources. They'll just assume they can do a skill check or use a charm potion or do whatever and get what they want without like having to actually role play what the real level levers of power would be in those situations. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. like a... It's like they have a short term, like they don't know strategy. It's all just tactics. It's all it's exactly. Just, it's all tactics, and and I think it also reflects that they don't really. And I think I think this is reflected in a lot of other things, right? That they don't really, really understand how the world works. I know, dude, you took you the know? words right out of my mouth. And if they did. They wouldn't be working at the hoe and harness, and they wouldn't be for you know they would be freaking Alex Cammer and and they they cancer, but they would exactly. still be sitting around the table doing the same shit. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they would, but, but they would probably be forming alliances and doing some strategic the game, shit. The game yeah. would be different, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, because they would have a better understanding of those types of of uh, situations, I think, or maybe their game wouldn't be any different because that's their real life and they don't want to deal with that shit in their game. They just want to well, kill. Yeah. Stuff, that's a, you know? that's a good, that's but, a good, uh, 
but I don't think, but I don't think these guys really even understand that. Like the power of being, having more money than many nations. The first place they go is like, and I know I'm getting way ahead, but they, they go to this place where it's like, oh, if we have more than X amount of money, all these rules kick in and grudge monsters go up and taxes go up and we're going to lose all this money. And they don't understand like what you can actually do with that money that has yeah. nothing to do with killing monsters. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. As an, as a quick example, we are talking about, you know, what characters spend money on back in the campaign that sometimes I talk about the one I grew up playing that actually I just got a message that maybe something's brewing there. Like maybe this summer we may do a IRL session. Yes. I mean, it's been years since we played, but anyway, anyway, years ago, like my character, my Ranger, like we started in first edition and went all the way through whatever. And uh, he was maybe seventh level, eighth level. And uh, we had just finished adventuring. And we came, and this was like we were anti slavers, but the world we lived in, slavery was still legal in a lot of places. And it was legal, like a legal trade. So we had to be careful about how we, you know, stood out against it until we gained enough political power to, to really push it. So at the time, we came up on a slave auction. So my ranger bought every slave at the auction and it was hundreds, hundreds of slaves, but we just had enough treasure where we, and this is like, I spent all my freaking treasure that I just gained on buying up all these freaking slaves and the, the slave traders couldn't believe it. They were like, what a chump. And, and I took them all back to their home to, or, or we've, we've actually established another town. But anyway, later on that town becomes a kingdom and I become you know, like a partial Lord of that kingdom. And I gained political power because I spent that money. That wasn't what I was trying to do, but that's how it worked out in a game. Yeah. But because that's uh, probably what would happen. You would be a hero to those people. And, and if you wanted to take on slavery, you would have to fund an army oh, or yeah. you would have to prop up a kingdom and say, Hey, you want all this treasure? Fine. But you got to do this stuff for us, you know? Yeah. Um, because that's what, yeah. So no, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That would be a really cool campaign. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. To look at the flip side of that, Wes, you know what else your ranger did when he bought all those slaves? He put a lot of coin in the slavers' pockets. Oh yeah, he did. And I'm sure, I'm sure I guarantee you that played into it. That at the time, my character wouldn't know about or wouldn't care about. Right. But I'm sure that played into it. Uh as a matter of fact, the the sword that I told you guys about was was captured by the sinister blade, the, the dark, the, the sword that emitted darkness or whatever. Yeah. It, it was captured by a slaver, a pirate. Uh, you like, we're talking pirates. Yeah. And for years of real times and campaign time, I didn't have that sword. Somebody else had it and they kicked ass with it all up and down the coast. And I, I just had to hear stories. I finally got it back. But, but anyway, yeah, I guarantee you that goal again, cause our DM man, Guarantee you he took that and was like, okay, this changes the game a little bit here. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I'm, and, I'm sure. I, I know I would. I mean, oh, yeah. I would I would take that into consideration big time. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. So, so moving on, they get a million. Oh, yep. I keep saying move on. Then I, <laughs> I, I say one more thing. So Dave says I want to swim in it. This was just a little fun fact to me. Um, I, actually, I actually calculated out the volume. Oh, a million yeah. gold coins. 
in whether or not you could swim in it. Now, I'm, I'm probably overestimating a little bit because I used a standard golden eagle, which is a one ounce gold coin that the U.S. and and it's pretty standard on the road. It's like a cougar and d- these different gold coins, but they're one ounce gold coins, and um, a million American gold eagle gold coins would be just about almost exactly 10 by 10 by 10. Huh? Yeah. It works out to be just about, Oh no, wait, sorry. Nope. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It's a hundred cubic feet. So it would be 10 by 10 by one. one. So you could kind of lay in it. You're certainly not going to swim. And I, I just thought this was kind of funny because like in fantasy fiction, you see these gigantic mounds of gold when that would be like so much fucking gold. You know yeah. Like mean? the freaking original Hobbit cartoon where Bilbo is picking through the, the gold uh, mountain that freaking smogs laying on. Holy shit. How many billions of coins is that? <laughs> billions and billions. Yeah. Well, even, even, um, Oh crap! What was it? Um, like like Pirates of the Caribbean, that pile of gold there, man. Oh, that yeah. is so much gold. Uh, when you when you when you're thinking about gold coins, you know, I I thought it would be more. Honestly, I thought it would be a lot more, and I'm I'm kind of curious if maybe I miscalculated somehow. But, um, but anyway, that's what I calculated it out to: hundred cubic feet. We'll find out if I win the lottery this weekend. I'll. You're gonna buy a I'll um, buy a million gold coins and you know, I bet I could buy a million copper coins the same Well <laughs> they'd be they'd be I don't know if they make copper coins that big, but Oh shit. Plastic coins? Yeah, you could get plastic coins. I'm yeah. cheaping out. I mean a million gold coins would cost like over a billion dollars probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't afford that with my measly thirty million dollar Powerball. Yeah. <laughs> easily yeah so all right all right george i'll let you go now i won't i won't interrupt again until i do got ahead a little bit we find out that the tattered bag in a corner is a is a bag of holding and it's where they got the million gold and they find out that's how old rock gut was able to move his treasure with him every night so that's when we get into the whole thing about uh dave wanting to swim in it and all this stuff of course uh Beringer and uh, all of his lieutenants show up with their handwritten IOUs wanting to collect their pay. And as is typical, Brian comes up with an excuse not to take care of that right now for various reasons. Yeah, just like every freaking heist movie where they got the gold or the money or whatever, and they're, hey, let's split it up. Wait, let's, you know, somebody's getting screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny, though, like. When Bob says, what the hell? They already got their grubby little hands out. Grubby little hands. These guys fought and died for this yeah, dragon. Yeah. And and they look agitated. Like if you look at the little shaky lines, Bob and Dave and Sarah, they are they really that worried that they're going to have to pay these guys? Like maybe it's just them turning to BA suddenly or something. But it's just a weird, it's just a weird thing. I mean, they're ruining our moment. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not their moment, too. They don't get it. We're yeah. going to find out just how little they care about these guys. Um, One thing I'll say, I always think of movie references when I'm reading something comes up. What was the movie that popped in your head when you read that Dave wanted to swim in the gold? Scrooge McDuck. No. 
That's what popped in my head. Huh, that's funny, yeah. The freaking History of the World Part 1 where Dom DeLuise is like, Treasure Bath! You remember that? Where they bring in, he's the he's the emperor at Rome, and they bring oh. in all the treasure. He's like treasure bath. I don't that's, remember that's that funny. We're, we're just talking about that uh, movie at work today. And the, the second one is actually yeah, it's out on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So I I'm haven't seen to, it yet. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the first one because it's been so long. Oh, uh, I bet I could freaking quote it as it's. I've seen it so many times. It's hilarious. I've seen it. I just don't remember that part. I mean, I saw it like shit. Thirty. I remember everything. Yeah, exactly. Don Eloise is in that dude. It's freaking hilarious. You mean Captain Chaos? Captain Chaos. Captain USA. Say hello, Kato. Yeah, my trusty sidekick, Kato. Yes. So, uh, O'Brien, he starts uh, telling Berenger that they need to uh, get it back and have a someone properly dispersed the money and all that stuff. And this is where B.A. admits that uh, Behringer's gullible. Yeah, he does say gullibility betrays him once again. But like I said, I don't know how a guy who's so gullible leads an army. But hey, whatever. That's fine. Cool. Um, You know, uh, the the other thing is, uh, at least here, Brian is actually role playing. Like he's he's coming up with a strategy for how he's going to do this. It's not just like a skill check. Um, right. And and this is this is kind of a, a foreshadowing of the fact that Brian is very good at manipulating people. Right. Right. I mean, oh the, yeah. Like like we talk about the stuff he does to Bob like way later in the comic, but in the next in these next couple next few pages here, we start to see like Brian. Um, actually role playing, manipulating these NPCs, and he's he's actually pretty clever. And the and the and the uh, the other players say, "Oh yeah," like Bob says something about him convincing you played him to do something. Yeah, you played him like a game of Pac Man. Yeah, yeah. So how much of this is BA? I, maybe I'm being a BA apologist here, giving them a little rope to hang themselves because he's put a curse on the treasure. So if they actually, you know, if Berenger held him accountable and made him disperse it all right here and everything was fair and square, that would kind of nullify the curse and things wouldn't go sideways. But, but Okay, but wait a minute. You can't tell me <laughs> B.A. is playing like three-dimensional chess here and he knows like they're going to wind up going in the bag and all that stuff. There's no way like he's, he's winging it at this point. He scared him. He scared him with the curse and he's like, fuck now, what do I do to make the curse actually mean anything? He has no idea. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that he knows it's going to be a a freaking bag world and all this. I'm just thinking maybe he's thinking, okay, if they want to drag it out, this can't end well, so I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to push it with Behringer. We'll just see where it goes. But, but yeah, but if you look at if you look at his face, right? If you look at BA's face, there he doesn't. He looks kind of mad. Eh, maybe, maybe he, I'm he, being too easy on him. I think you're being too easy. No, he, well, maybe I don't know. Which he's panel? got kind of a weird look on his face. But um, which panel are you talking about there, where he shows up with the LUs? Let me, let me, no, hold on. I got it. It's the bottom of page 22 where he says, uh, Be- Behringer's gullibility portrays him. He's, he does kind of have a perturbed look on his face. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to read. He's he's got a little yeah. frowny, and and so like, is he upset because he he rolled a skill check and it, and it and it succeeded for Brian, and so that's the gullibility, or or is he is he playing him because his fate? He's not really that clearly like upset. So I, you might be on to something here, dude. I I, I think you might be on to something here. Maybe I don't know. We'll no, see. it's not clearly an angry or frustrated face. Yeah. It'd be know? interesting if we got some feedback from uh, the collective of writers known as Jolly Blackburn. The, <laughs> whoever the current The Jolly Blackburn oh, is, if he yeah. could get back to us, that would be super duper. Or, uh, if not him, maybe uh, Peter Lloyd Lee. Or, no, that's the next strip, isn't it? Back yeah, that's the next troubles. one. Peter Lloyd Lee. I'm not familiar. Oh, I don't with even know who that is. I don't yeah. either. So, Peter, if you're listening, let us know. Well, but Peter didn't write this one, man. So, well, he yeah, he wrote he, the next one that we're about that we're about to turn to. He uh, co-wrote it with Jolly. Yeah. Well, this is when they get into fang- fangery. Right. Yeah. Two weeks yeah. later, and the it's guards another- will not let them enter. Until they pay a one silver piece tax per person for every able-bodied man and woman. Now it could be, it could be a copper, and it wouldn't matter. They was they're still going to cheap. Yeah, they just got a million gold piece. This is like for this whole five hundred person army. It's what like twenty gold pieces. Yeah, <laughs> some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I I really like oh so I'll, I'll I'll before I comment I'll let you go George. Oh, um, I'm just uh, calculating how much that is a piece. Or it's assume five hundred. That's two thousand gold a piece. But yeah, they what? start. Wait, what? What do you mean two thousand gold a piece? A million gold divided by five hundred people would be two thousand a piece. Yeah. No, I was just talking about them getting into yeah. So I can see why they don't want to pay them if they're going to give them an equal share, which right. I doubt they would be giving them an equal share. Um, but but even if you just got two thousand gold paying a silver piece, and they're flipping out over it, are you kidding me? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you figure five hundred gold, so that's five. That's uh. 25 gold pieces for 500 people to pay a silver piece. If it's, yeah. if it's 20 gold or 20 silver per gold, I think I'm doing that right in my head. Um, so they're, they're like, they're getting all crazy about 25 gold pieces and they right. just got a million. Like. Then they start yeah, complaining no, about, uh, Lord, uh, I want to say Gilead, but I don't think that's quite right. No, I think it's Gilead. Is it Gilead? Yeah. I, I love this whole part because Gilead, although yeah, we haven't Gilead, talked yeah. about it, that that shows you how far ahead this strip has jumped from where we were, yeah. and where and where and it's funny because where this one ends is actually the thing that happened way back in like issue two or three. the The original yeah. strip where Brian yeah. steals it is really this strip right yeah. here, and Gilead was later, and he's one of my favorite guys. And you pick it up from reading this because. This is this is the case. Remember, I was talking about how pissed off players get when the GM has the NPCs treat them the way they treat NPCs. Yeah, yeah. This is the result of that. 
this is exactly because they treated this guy like shit. And there, and there's some great lines coming up. Um, but the BA let this NPC get the better of them. And they are still, you'll so pissed, so yeah. freaking pissed off about it. Yeah, they start complaining about Lord Gilead, how he used to be Sarah's henchman. Now he's the Lord of Fengary, and they can't believe he's going to charge them a silver piece each just to enter the city. It's like, we got to pay. We used to come and go as we pleased. Of course, Sarah defends him with and, the uh, possible did, orc invasion and all that stuff. Did you notice that when Sarah defends him, Brian says... Um, did you gulp down the entire pitcher when you offered him the glass of Kool-Aid? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You know what the first thing I thought of when he said that was? The charm potion they were giving oh, to Berenger yeah. in the army. Yeah. So he's implying that, like, they literally fed those guys the Kool-Aid, and that's okay, but it, but God forbid that they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, like like D- Dave's idea um, of it being a great place is that there were no laws and they could go and do whatever they wanted and there were yeah. no repercussions. Like, that's the player character right there, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Bob chimes in when Sarah defends him. Did you get a funny hat when you signed up for his fan club? Then <laughs> 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 uh, Brian's complaining that he can't even... Uh, Get a damn audience with him, or serve like I. I don't have any problems. Maybe you shouldn't have used him as target practice for your spells <laughs> when he was my henchman. Oh, but I kept him on low power, so <laughs> yeah. it only did half damage. Can, can can what? Once again, what would player characters do if the DM put him in a situation where, like, a powerful lich or something had them? at their mercy and used them and humiliated them like this. They might not even want to ever play those characters again. Yeah. Like seriously, like when they, when a character gets really badly humiliated, like, nah, like Bob did a nitros game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then there's a note here that says, if you want to find out more about, uh, Gilead's, uh, rise to, uh, to, uh, fame or rulership here, it's in Bundle of Trouble, Volume 4. See strip just for the helm of it. I was actually wondering that, like, exactly. It doesn't, you don't know what issue. That, I guess number four would be, like, issue 9 to 12. And, you know, it may be bonus content. Or 10 to 12, yeah. Is it? I, I, I think that's, I think that's actually, they've, it's referenced on some of the covers of the KODTs, actually. I seem to recall seeing. That'd be like the issues ten to twelve for bot four. Yeah. Now I want to go check it out and see because that's another one of the storylines that I really liked. Yeah. That I remember from way back. So. So they, so they finally give in, and uh, Bob's going to toss them six silver, so that they can uh, all go in along with Nobby Foot and Haji. But then the guards block, still blocked her. Right? Like, what the hell? Um, what about the all your basically? What about the your army? Your army. Now, <laughs> in 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 the next frame, or later on the page, they mention that Sarah mentions that they actually tried to start a revolt 
against Lord Gilead. Yeah. Because they were so angry that this NPC got over on them, right? That's how pissed off they were. Now, I think, like, they probably would have sent out an army to meet this army. <laughs> like, if there was, if these guys were marching towards their city with 500 armed soldiers, I don't think they would let them even walk up to the gate. I don't, they definitely would not let them in the gates. Right. At all. There's no, no way. So this, this thing that BA does here, not so much the tax, but saying, oh no, only 10 people can come in at a time. This rings really, really true to me. Like, I don't think a medieval, there's a medieval city that would have let 500 soldiers just walk into their city. They would have been like, you, they would have sent someone out to meet them and been like, don't approach within a mile of the city or yeah. we'll assume you're hostile. You know what I mean? Uh, Cause these guys are bastards. <laughs> like they're just, yeah. You know, they're vengeful, uh, ven- vengeful sons of bitches. So. And then a uh, Berenger pops up again uh, with a look of panic. Uh, we don't have any money to pay to get in. And if we can't get the same time, how are we going to divide up all this money? So maybe this is where maybe this is where BA is is manipulating them because Behringer being panicked and all this stuff, man, it's just so whiny and dramatic. So maybe maybe he's trying to get them to pay the yeah. silver for him and then they go a different direction on him or something. And don't, and don't forget, he's the only one at this table that knows how bags of hefty capacity operate. That that's true. Knows. But to, can he really be predicting that what Brian's going to do next? It would be interesting to know if that was the thinking behind it. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, okay, Jolly, you want to tell us how it is. Riddle me this, Blackburn. How did BA, how could BA, shitty DM that he is, predict exactly? And when Brian outsmarts him all the time, how did he predict? that Brian would have those guys march into that bag if that was his intent. Otherwise, what's his point here? What's his three-dimensional chess in manipulating them? Is it just to get them to pay the 500 silver pieces? Is that what BA was thinking? I'll get, I'll get some money out of them. I'll get 25 gold pieces out of their million gold piece hoard. I want to hear it, Jolly. Lay yeah. it on me. Lay it on me. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Bob brings up that got 525, and I can't believe we didn't shake any of them on the way here sort of like yeah not like you didn't try by putting plague infected meat in the, the stew and making as much noise as we were close to the orc territory to increase the random encounters i thought this was hilarious they are they are such bastards to npcs <laughs> man yeah. they're trying to kill them off on the march and once again sarah how could she not know? And these are her character's followers. She does mention yep. this about her followers in a minute, but these are her character's followers and she's letting them, uh, and, and the implication too, I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about Lotus stew. So they're putting plague infested rat meat into sawdust, a mixture of sawdust rat meat. and some other. So they're making Lotus, um, yeah. whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah, even stew, which could have killed the PCs, and they're making it even worse by putting plague-infected meat in plague it. Plague-infected rats in it. <laughs> I like I like the part down here. Where, well, when we get to it, 
how he calls Berenger by his first name. Yeah. It's a classic movie trope, classic TV trope, where the shyster puts his arm around the rube and is like, can I call you Lyle? Is it Lyle? Can I call you Lyle? Yeah. yeah. You're getting ready to get tromped. And in, 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 in here, in, in here that, that's uh, Brian at least role-playing out like those that slimy sort of manipulative side, right? Like he's yeah. actually doing it. Um, and yeah. And this is, that's the part where Dave is like, Oh, he's good. This is exactly how he commit convinced me to take those yoga classes. With. <laughs> yeah. As if Brian would be taking yoga. Like why was Brian taking yoga? <laughs> you know, but um, so yeah, we're getting a hint that Brian is a, extremely good at manipulating the people. Around yeah. Him. Yeah. Oh, let's see. But so, I'm sorry, yeah. man. In the next frame, Behringer is such a wuss. I just, yeah. I just don't get it, man. He's such a. What if we get? What if we get caught? Yeah. Basically, as yes, Behringer had all the uh, entire army climb into the bag of holding so they can sneak him in, and then he uh, wizard locks the opening of the bag and goes back to the others and. Even though they the players know what's going on, none of the characters know that that's what the uh, uh, Black all Lotus right. is doing. All right, so BA, this is BA being a shitty DM again because in the next thing he's like, "What the hell is he up to?" So he didn't he didn't know this was going to happen, and he's allowing Brian to go off where and have five hundred men march into a little tiny bag. This big that is about 282 cubic feet. Well, however big it, it's, but to, all these soldiers are going to march in there and they fit because we know the bag is special, but like none, none of the followers of Sarah's cleric ever said, Hey, mistress Sarah or Zaire, is she Zaire at this point? Just Justinia. Um, just mistress justinia he's having us march in there that doesn't seem like a good like how could she not have like nobody see that he's doing this so then he can say oh oh uh you don't know nothing about it sarah shut up i mean because that's basically what he does like your character knows nothing so get over it um i didn't say anything there's no fucking way she's got to be like okay yeah you're right i didn't see it let's let's avoid yeah. paying 500 gold or silver pieces um Brian, B.A. let him get away with like this nonsense. May, but hey, I would say, you know, oh, he's he's tricking him, except he says, what's he up to? Yeah. What's he up to with having to march into that bag? Right. Um, yeah, this is where, where Brian uh, says, sorry, sorry, but uh, Justine doesn't know that they're in the bag as far as she knows that they've been paid and they left to return home. There's no fucking way, man. There's just no way. Yeah, she's she's not that dance. Well, yeah. th there, there's no way that could happen, right? There's no way all those people would march into that bag on Brian's say so, and not and nobody would notice or be like, you know, it, <laughs> even if he decided to pay him, how long would it take him to pay him? Right. You know, oh, they went around the corner and now they're all gone, and oh yeah, I paid them all. We we set up a. We set up a big long line and I gave everybody their 2000 gold pieces out of the bag. Like, come on, man. Yeah. And right after this is where we get to the spot where uh, Brian talks, starts talking about all the problems of having that much money, getting the targets on their backs. This is at the, 
this is one of my favorite like intros later at the parched frog. Yeah. <laughs> the parched frog. Yeah. That's got like that. I want to go Good. to the parched frog. You can imagine the signboard out front has like a drunk frog. Probably looks like uh, Steve Lawrence. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you saying I look like a frog? Yeah. You know, in, in, and in that frame too, like, remember we were talking about how characters never spend any money, right? It's like, I'll ask the innkeeper to bring in more elven dancing girls. Money is no object, yeah. but, but stick to table four, C fair to Midland girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't even pay for like to get laid. Like nothing. <laughs> it's just it's, Lord. those gold pieces written on that piece of paper is more important to them than any sort of anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where uh, Brian starts laying out his plan to get rid of basically make a loophole in the rules for them to have this much treasure by instead of keeping the treasure, just buying a shitload of supplies to keep in the bag that they can access at any time. Yeah. And of course, because of Brian's rules quoting in that, everybody is completely on board. Yeah, and 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 this is where he's like he's 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 really trying to rip everybody off. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, right? And and um I think he's not really thinking this through though. Like even when he says, I sort of like the idea of having an army in a bag to protect it until we figure out our next move. And this is where where these guys, like I said, they don't really understand how like the real world works or how real people would react to this kind of stuff. Because if he thinks that those people in that bag are going to come out and do anything other than immediately slit his throat. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, even the other players, when, when, when think, let's think back when he stole the bag and they found out he stole it, they immediately killed his character like that they didn't hesitate and they dumped him in a well and like they got revenge why in the world and he knows he would do that why in the world would he think that stuffing him it is because either he knows ba just is going to let him do it or he genuinely thinks that that's how people would act even though he would never act that way you know actually at this point in the comic he hasn't stolen the bag yet well, no, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm just referring back like but because we know how they react to him yeah. just stealing. How do you think they would react to being trapped in a bag and not being paid and got, got they're not going to come out and fight for him as well. Because they're only NPCs. They're only NPCs, right? Yeah. So and then, and then he starts using all of the things he's done to justify, like, oh, I didn't want the Behringer. I didn't want Behringer's men to go out and start talking about all the money we have. Yeah. You know, so he's got this all figured out in his head, but but if, none of it really makes any sense. Right. It's not, none of it's going to work this way. Um, You know. Talks about how B.A. is just going to start chipping away at all of it anyway. And the one silver piece gate tax, that was just the start of it. Yeah. Well, on the next page, it's like in the GMG, there's actually rules that he's aware of to like siphon yeah. money off if you get too much money. Yep. That sounds like a rule Steve Johansson would have written. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, 
having more than a thousand gold times your level automatically attracts the attention of the fates. Yep, it's kind of like having too much honor. Yep, the increase of uh, random encounters, negative mods, lifting of hack factor caps. So maybe, maybe that's what B B A was referring to when he was referring to the curse. That that he knew that role, and that's what that's what he was going to play. So he can just start throwing shit at him, yeah. all, at him all over the place. And well, Brian is thwarting him. Well, then at the very the very next uh, panel, uh, Brian even mentions, and don't forget about the curse. B is going to be coming at us with everything. Everything, yep. And 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 BA oh, has no, a history of doing that before, yeah. Yeah, BA yeah. has a history of doing that. John and Coincrawler, there that there's that guy. Uh, I I think this is another one where it's ahead of where we were at. It's ahead of issue five, but it's before this, yep. where there's this guy that just tricks them constantly and gets all their treasure. The gnome. Yeah. So I don't know, but Sarah kind of has it right. Like she said, I could donate. I mean, if she donated all that money to her temple, she'd be like the most important person in that religious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, they would name a library after her. Library. (laughs) At least. At least. (laughs) They probably get free healing forever, too. And she's Um, talking about uh, building orphanages and. And one that that she started could use uh, more more rooms on it. You see, so how come she isn't just like, you know what? Buy whatever you want. I want my money. Yeah, I want my share of the treasure, and I'll I'll deal with BA's uh, bullshit on my own. Exactly, because well, because she'd be like, I'm just going to donate her to do whatever, right? Yeah, but she doesn't. She goes along with it, man. But in but Brian is pretty manipulative, so I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he always keeps the gang together, going the right direction. Going the same direction. Yeah. Same. I was going to say right. I don't know about the right direction. Yeah, they're going the same direction, I should say. So, so then it just kind of goes into the shopping spree, and this is pretty similar to what was in it before, right? When I was looking yeah. through this, I didn't really see a lot new. Um, yeah, and this is where uh, he brings up, assuming it's a standard variety of 282 cubic feet, which itself would not hold the army that he's already put in there. Right. That, well, and that's what we talked about with this before. 282 cubic feet, not very big. No. Right. I, I think I think Jolly probably didn't do very good in math or something because there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of sort of mathematical calculations here and estimating that doesn't quite add up because yeah he's got 500 500 soldiers in a 282 cubic feet thing and he wants to put like tents boats oars uh a 60 foot extension ladder i don't know how you get that into there uh six of every weapon two thousand arrows would two thousand arrows even fit into that two thousand arrows yeah 282 cubic feet is not much at all no you're looking at like 200 so 200 feet would be 10 by 10 by 2 so 200 80 would be about uh, 10 by a, 10 by 3. A 6 by 6 by 6 is 216. Yeah, yeah. So, it's that, gonna so be... you could get nine six-foot-tall humans in there. Yeah. <laughs> if, you were, if they were really squished together and not wearing armor and carrying yeah, weapons. Like, exactly. You know, yeah, so... So I'm, I'm surprised that Brian... 
didn't even realize something was up when he was able to march that army into the back. Right. So either, either Brian is being stupid here and BA is noticing that he isn't noticing it and let him get away with it. Or the illustrious Jolly Blackburn just made a mistake and, well, in uh, Jolly's defense, uh, he was distracted in algebra class in high school because there was a girl that sat behind him flirting with him all the time. Oh, was that algebra? Yeah. Did he say that was specifically in algebra? Well, there you go. Yep. It's Barb's fault. <laughs> Stunted yeah. his math growth. Oh, man. that's the. Uh, oh, and he wants to put a portable forge in it. That alone would fill it up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but But Brian doesn't. Brian is saying it's 282 cubic. Maybe Brian doesn't. I mean, he thought a gazebo was like a monster. So yeah. maybe Brian doesn't can't conceptualize 282 cubic feet. Maybe he maybe he thinks that's 282 feet on a side because many people, when you talk about cubic measure cubic volumes, that's what they think. Like if if they hear 100 cubic feet, they think it's 100, 100 by 100 wide. by 100 by 100. Exactly. And so maybe maybe that's what it is. Brian well, Brian thinks he's smarter cubes. than he is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, a hundred by a hundred by a hundred is more like a million cubic feet. Yeah, maybe a billion. It's a lot. It's I'd not have, a billion. I'd have to count zero. Well, it's like a hundred thousand. No, it's more than a hundred. I think it's a million because it'd be it'd be six zeros. Yes, million. Yeah. So anywho. We've established Jolly is or Brian is not very good at math or conceptualizing volumes. So, and then the next page is just an hour later. An hour later, uh, we've got all this stuff in it, and I'm going to put my entire library spell manuals. There, the bag's full. Of course, this is where uh, BA starts gets that devious look on his face. They're putting everything in one basket, literally. And you know, BA is willing to get an ass whooping to carry this out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause he knows if that bag disappears, he's going to get his butt kicked and he's, he's so dedicated that he's going to, he's going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a couple of days later, uh, they're out in a the meadow they're going to break out the tents to make camp and, uh, Dave's like, I'm fetching the bag. We're going to grill steaks. Like, sorry, Dave, you can't find it. What do you mean? It's gone? Hey, you remember that beggar that bumped into the city gates? Pierce, you've been victim to a pickpocket. So why did why did BA enable this like that by giving them a suspect? Why didn't he just say it's gone? You don't know where you don't know where. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. You know. That's another one for you, Jolly. Why don't you why don't you riddle me that now? I'm just kidding. Um Snicker, and he thinks it's funny too. Yeah. He's laughing about it, even though he knows Brian actually has the bag. So he's probably thinking, Oh, I'm gonna let Brian get the bag. And then I'm gonna make sure they find out that Brian got the bag. You know, and he do, he does say thanks for not tipping him off that I was the pickpocket. You think maybe he was a beggar in disguise? Or he just stole the bag. I don't know. I guess it doesn't make sense. That's a good point. Like, did he disguise himself or did he hire the beggar or did he, you know? It wouldn't make sense that he would do all that when he could just swipe it when they weren't looking. Yeah. So, well, either he did that or BA just helped him cover it by giving him a scapegoat. 
But either way, um, is BA playing the long game here? Is he like, oh, I'm going to let him get it. I'm going to help him get it because all their eggs are in one basket. And I'm going to make sure this comes back to bite him in the ass. I think well, he is. He took a is black BA- eye for it. His nose is bruised. His cheek is bruised. <laughs> he got his ass kicked, man. <laughs> and Sarah, my own cousin, actually held me down while Dave gave me an atomic wedgie. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of tired. You guys want to head out? We'll just come back out and do the next series later on. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. I've had more Taco Bell than I can handle. One thing I do want to mention as far as your word your word of day calendar versus similitude. Check out BA's green shirt. How it's got a rip at the elbow. Which it didn't have before. Well, that's this is after he got his ass. Yeah, wet. exactly. Like I said, so, which it did not have before. So exactly. So let's see if it's ripped on our next episode. Oh, it's we'll have ripped. to. Because we'll you know he didn't get that. it patched in between games. Come on. <laughs> maybe he's got a wardrobe of green shirts. He yeah, probably maybe. likes green shirts. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, one thing I do I, I do want to mention. I know you're tired, Steve. Uh, is that we will be at GaryCon, and if we if we do rec- if, <laughs> so, my plan at GaryCon is to hang out somewhere's near where people are selling Nights at the Dinner Table magazines with a uh, with an iPhone with an external microphone, and I want to I want to speak to the fans. The fans speak. It would be awesome to have some some cool little kind of person gamer at the con man on the street slash mm-hmm. gamer at the con uh person at the con uh interviews to put in uh uh special our episode 10 so we've made it so we at that point we would have made it to 10 episodes which is which has kind of been my secret goal the whole time to yeah maybe maybe we could get some people to congratulate us on our milestone of 10 10 episodes by buying us drinks, I like the way oh. you think, sir. You I know, like the cut of your jib. If you have been enjoying this podcast, it's a lot of work. Lot of work. It's t- it's but- t- and we don't ask. For, we don't have a Patreon. We're not making. We're not funded in any way. But you could definitely buy us can, a drink. You can Gary. give Absolutely. back, <laughs> <laughs> or, or two, or maybe or five. Method of of uh, of uh, giving back to the. And you know, maybe we'll buy you one too if you're if you're the listener and you have to show up. So. <laughs> well, we only have to buy one; they have to buy a whole bunch. Yeah, of that, so, yeah. You know. We if we bought if we yeah we will have to buy less drinks for our listeners than they will <laughs> have to buy for us. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, oh. all right, man. Well, let's get uh, out of here. It's late. Right. We've been going on this for a while, and Taco Bell's probably going to kick us out of here soon. So yeah, yeah who's got the keys? Man. Shit. Right here, right oh, here. There. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Muncie. 
If you have a comment, you can leave it at our anchor site or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.